Yo, it's 2023 and the Dynasty Optimists are back. I'm your host, Andrew, and I have a very special guest with me today. Y'all know him as the Cream Pies. I know him as Joe. How you doing, Joe? Uh, you know, I'm uh, glad to be here. It's It's been a wild ride. Good day. Well, happy to have you here. Wow, what a what an amazing season you had in 2022. And uh, if, if you don't mind, could you give us a little backstory on, you know, fantasy football, you know, your team, you know, little things like that? You know, uh, I've been playing fantasy football for a long time, but uh, this is the first time I've done a dynasty setting. Um, you know, you were you know gracious enough to invite me last year to take over one of the failing rosters, and uh, I kind of just went with it. I didn't really know what I was doing. Made some trades, big trades. Um, what I expected was to you know have a very bad roster and stock up on draft picks, but. Uh, that didn't happen. I actually had a pretty good season, almost won the division. We'll talk about that later. And I made a lot of mid-season moves to really solidify my roster as a contender moving forward. So as Dynasty, I hope I'm doing it right, you know, first season. So I don't know if these trades will pan out, but uh, it's definitely different. I'm glad to be doing a Dynasty-style fantasy football. For sure. For sure. Amy, we're really happy to have you. And in my opinion, you're doing a great job. You're active in the chat. You're constantly making moves to better your team. Not every single trade works out, right? That's just the the nature of Dynasty uh, Fantasy Football and the game that we love, right? But if you don't take those swings, then nothing ever changes. So, interesting enough, we have the 2023 rookie draft upon us. As recording this, we are two days away. Uh, derived, actually, uh, you know, tried to make it now, as in on a... F- Thursday night at 7.36 p.m. He's trying to push this bitch. He wants this rookie draft more than anything. And 10.36 my time Eastern trying to get me to stay up even later than I want to. Right. And, and I can't say I blame him. I'm super excited as well. I can't wait to get in there, make some moves, potentially draft my players. B. John Robinson. Am I right? I mean, everyone's kind of darling of the 23 class. Very lucky to have him on my roster. I'm a I'm more of a Jamar Gibbs fan, but hey, only because I don't have the one one. That's all I'm saying. Hey, and I understand. I I mean, I love Gibbs as well. I really do. I I, I really like his landing spot. I'm really curious to watch him play, and uh, see, see what happens there. So, looking at the rookie draft, where do you think these quarterbacks are going to go? And we're talking about the big three here: Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, in no particular order. Do you think the 102 to the 104, you think it's just going to be back-to-back-to-back to back to back picks of quarterbacks? And then Will Levis kind of goes, you know, where? who knows, late first, early second, potentially even third, depending on how far he falls, right? So, so in a perfect world, uh, looking at, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Tra- Train-A-Man, Trahan-Man, whatever, he should take a quarterback. So... I know it's hard to pass up on Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, uh, especially with the combine that that man just had. Almost a perfect – actually, I think he had a perfect physical score. So he has a lot of upside. He landed in a really nice spot within the great offensive line, decent weapons. And then Bryce Young, who was before the combine, the just unanimous number one quarterback coming in, fantasy-wise and uh, – and in the actual draft. So I think no one's going to lose 
win the two to four picks, whether it's AR-15, Bryce Young, or CJ Stroud, if I'm to guess, it's going to go exactly how I said it. AR goes second, Bryce Young goes third, and then uh, he should pick CJ Stroud, but who knows? He might go with somebody else. I'm not a huge fan of CJ Stroud just because he landed in Houston. And I know a lot of people say, oh, you can't do the landing spots. Houston's a garbage organization, and I don't think that they will set him up for success in the next three years. Honestly, I respect that. I really do. Uh, if, if I didn't have the one zero two here in this draft, I and I had the opportunity to draft a quarterback between Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, I would just choose the better organization or the one that I find more appealing, and it would definitely be the Carolina Panthers there. So, no, absolutely. I think you're spot on there. I luckily for me, Anthony uh, Richardson is the, available for me for the taking at the one zero two, and I just love the upside. But if you look at my quarterbacks, right, um, at least the, the two that I have on my roster, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, they're both kind of similar in that prototype kind of athletic running kind of quarterback. And I like those high risk players, um, at least in fantasy. I love that rushing upside. That's kind of what I'm chasing. And of course, it kind of bit me in the ass last season where I faced off against our, our resident champion, Reno Royals. And I lost. I lost in the championship because I did not even start a quarterback. Both Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray both hurt. I think I had Davis Mills, who was in that weird uh, kind of role that they do in New Orleans. And he put up like two points. And I had a wide receiver in my super flex. So it bit me in the ass. But maybe that safer play, like Bryce Young, who might not have that like higher upside, but maybe that more consistent performer might be a good selection for your roster. No, hundred percent. And uh, with the trade that I made to acquire the one zero three is uh, I actually ended up trading Tyree kill and Daniel Jones, who Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback in fantasy. Now, it, did I lose out on value there? Do I think Daniel Jones has a higher upside than Bryce young? I don't, I think Bryce young is going to be the better player long-term and with the Tyree kill, with him coming out saying he's retiring in 2025, if he does, it's a great trade on my end. If he doesn't, you win some, you lose some. But that's why I made that trade. I feel like it's Tyreek Hill is a rental player right now, and I feel like Bryce Young will be better than Daniel Jones. And with the Trevor Lawrence trade that I did, having two very young, potentially franchise players for the next 10 years really solidifies my roster for me to miss more or take more chances and miss because I have those two concrete players already absolutely i i really like that that line of thinking and uh, for example if you went on twitter today and you posted that trade saying oh you know package a or package b i think that i could be wrong here but i think a lot of managers would say you lost value trading away daniel jones and tyree kill for just the 103 a lot of people would be like oh you know it's an easy no-brain daniel jones and Tyreek Hill. But in your eyes, you don't see it that way. Daniel Jones really isn't that sexy pick by any means. A lot of people hate him. And a lot of people were honestly expecting him to be uh, to be a backup. Or to be you know just booted off of uh, New York and them find a different option. But uh, they kind of resurrected his, his career there. And they're kind of rolling with it. So now I kind of want to talk about Derived. 
Derived has a very interesting lineup. We've talked about Derived a few times, and he's always been an enigma to me. Uh, mostly because of his constant moves within the league. He really He's really a savvy manager that loves to make a lot of little micro moves. That's kind of how he plays the game. He's always making little tiny tweaks here and there. He always is down to trade. So if you want to trade, hit up Derived, because I guarantee he's down no matter what time or place. That man is on Twitter. He's talking to analysts. He's trying to get different opinions, but he's mostly bashing people, let's be honest. That's kind of what he does. But hey, I love it. We all love it. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I highly recommend it. I don't have his Twitter handle right now, but I'm sure after this podcast drops, we can drop it in the chat somewhere. He currently has eight draft selections. Yeah, I believe that is the most. And like you said, that is the most that we have available to us. And a lot of them, if I'm not mistaken, are late seconds. Like you said, third round and fourth round picks. Now, a lot of managers, even the ones that he loves to follow, the Dynasty Dad, for example, would probably say those picks are mostly dart throws. You have a lot of players there that didn't get a lot of draft capital. So what do you think? Do you think that he's going to get a lot of value out of those picks? Or do you think, hey, maybe package those picks and try and move up somewhere? So I don't think he'll move up. What looking at his roster, looking at a lot of the holes that he has, and I haven't talked to Derived at all, other than the small talks that we've had in the main group chat, but no DMs or anything. Looking at his roster, what I would do if I was in charge of it is take all these picks, fill the holes that I have, and unofficially tank, really. He doesn't have a competing roster at all. He has an insane amount of picks next year as well, including two first-rounders, two second rounders, two thirds, and like five fourth rounders next year. So I would use these picks. And I wouldn't call them dart throws. If he does his if he does his research, you can get a lot of value in the second and third rounds. You really can. Um, so just kind of fill the roster up, see if it works out, see if you get any hits, and then next year really buckle down and use those first and second rounders, maybe a couple of the fourth rounders that you have and make it into a trade package and really make a splash next year is what I'm thinking that he's doing here. Okay, yeah, no, I I agree there. I agree to the point where he needs tank. And I think he's already set himself up in a perfect situation to, you know, tank, of course, without without breaking our constitution, right? Looking at the rules, making sure he's doing everything properly. He's really doing it the right way. Him and uh, the Spaniard, the French Riviera Midwest, or whatever he changed his name to, He's also doing the same thing. So you have these two teams in our league currently that are basically tanking for the next quarterback prospect. And there's there's two that everyone's super hyped for in 2024, and rightfully so. So I'm really excited to see how that how their rosters kind of kind of build and and kind of what direction they take everything going forward. And what I like about the two is that they both own their own draft picks. So a lot of people don't own their 2024 draft pick and both of them own theirs. So if they do tank like this year, if you look, I don't believe the first through the third, the we're all traded. We shouldn't have those picks. So it's good to see that they're actually going to get to use their picks. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And what's interesting is the, the, well, the one zero one, which is the Spaniards draft selection in 2023 
I cannot tell you how many times he approached me trying to acquire that. Trust me, it was not because of his lack of effort that he did not acquire that. It was because, look, I knew what he was doing. I knew he was setting his team up for tanking. And I knew that getting the 2023 draft pick was kind of the the whole like key to make everything work. So being the person I am, I said, nah, I'm going to hold because I know exactly what you're doing. And I really didn't like the players on his roster, uh, so to speak. There wasn't a lot of players that really excited me on his roster at the time. He made one trade that I for he traded away one player that I really wanted, but we didn't really get the trade negotiations going and it just kind of flamed out. But, you know, whatever, it's all good. And also with like the Necro pick, for example, obviously I, I made that trade a long time ago and I can't even remember maybe two seasons ago or a season ago. I can't remember exactly the logistics on it, but um, trying to trade for those picks early and then they turn into like super early picks. Hey, it's a blessing. And not, it doesn't always happen, right? But uh, when it does, you get really you get really excited for it. That's true. Speaking of that, the uh, I, you say you made that trade a while ago, and then myself, I just recently got the one zero three, and then I also just got with French Riviera Midwest. We also just did a pretty decent trade today, right before we started the podcast, actually, where I acquired another first round pick and an and a second round for uh, Williams from Detroit. So I'm glad to see him actually making moves and trying to uh, acquire younger players, even if it's costing late first round and second round picks. Yeah. And he honestly, he might like Jameson Williams more than, which I'm assuming of course, more than any of the players that are going to be available right at the 110. The 110, it, it seems to me like there's a lot of, question marks regarding a lot of the players post like one zero eight or something like that, depending on what kind of players you like. And everyone's kind of just taking whoever they want, uh, like get their guy. For example, there's really not a consensus, which I'm not a huge fan of consensus um, kind of draft orders in general. Uh, but that seems to kind of be the direction that a lot of managers are taking where if there's not the player that they really like on the board at their one ten, they just try and trade out of it. Or try and ship it for a veteran or, you know, whatever the situation is. So, yeah, he's making those savvy moves. And you are too. right? I think it's really exciting. I really love seeing uh, action in the, in the trade market. It's really fun. I'm definitely excited to see who's still available down there at the 111. Maybe, who knows? Maybe I'll take two quarterbacks in the first round so nobody else can get the quarterbacks. Who knows? Hey, there you go. There you, I mean, you took Malik Willis last season. I Obviously, didn't. Malik didn't work out. Yep, because Will Levis went to the same team. Yeah, you know what? One of them will work out. That's true. I mean, ho- I mean, hopefully, right? That's kind of the uh, <laughs> the hope there for most dynasty managers that are picking up Will Levis in the late first or early second or whatever. And that's why I'm a little worried about AR15 because it's almost not the same situation as it was with Malik, but again, a super freak athlete that isn't too accurate with his arms and wasn't too successful in college. So I'm excited to see how he pans out. Yeah. A a pretty putrid uh, completion percentage there in college. And honestly, the only, the really the big thing that separates, I'm not getting into like the intangibles or the X's and O's or any of that crap, but on paper, really the big difference between Malik Willis and uh, Aaron Richard, uh, A. Rich, excuse me, 
is the draft capital, right? That's yeah. really what separate. If if he wasn't selected at the one zero three, um, was it the one zero three with the Colts? One zero four. Thank you, thank you. One zero four. If it wasn't at the one zero four to the Colts, and for example, it was in like the third round. Oh God. I mean, I don't know where he would be in in rookie drafts, but it wouldn't even be close to the one zero two. No, no, not even. I'm just a you're an analytics guy. I'm a film guy. I'm a huge SEC fan. You know, if I had the one zero two, I think I'd still take Bryce Young. But I understand you have two really good quarterbacks already, and you're just drafting upside. So I understand it. It's just like the same thing with Trey Lance. I know we talked about the Trey Lance before. It's just, I I just am not a huge fan. So I'm excited to see how he works out. And I hope he doesn't work out for you. But um, I also hope it works out for you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And what's interesting about Trey Lance is that you were pretty much anti-Trey Lance when everyone else liked him. So you were just like, Completely against the grain. You just were like, I don't like Trey Lance. I don't care. I watched every game that he played in, and I just, I couldn't see it. As a quarterback myself, so this is why, like, I played quarterback in a semi-professional level overseas. So, like, it's not like I'm like, oh, I know what makes a quarterback good or what doesn't. It's just I did not like anything about Trey Lance other than he was a, he's athletic, and I love that. But none of the just intangibles or the mental fortitude that I thought he had was going to translate to the NFL, how I felt. So call it a gut feeling, but that's just, I just didn't like him at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally fair. And I, I, and I really, I really respect those opinions when people uh, can, can look at a player and have those kind of opinions, especially since I, like you said, I'm an analytics guy. I don't watch any film. I watched zero film or tape, or whatever you want to call it, on any of the players in the 2023 uh, rookie draft or NFL draft. I like to watch college football, but I'm just simply a viewer. I look at the numbers, and I, those numbers kind of tell me what I like based on like thresholds and all the bullshit that everyone else looks at. So you're looking at some of the same numbers everyone else is looking at. So it just basically it means how you extrapolate those numbers and what you like and what you don't like. With A-Rich, obviously the athletic score off the charts, right? Not a lot of college production, uh, not a, not even a lot of games played, but like, what do you see from just like a quarterback's perspective? What do you see about him that maybe turns you on? Like, oh, I really like this guy or t- turns you off completely? So he is the definition of a streaky player. So when I watch him play, the he makes, he's a TikTok player. That That's what, whenever we're talking about like the analysts and all this kind of stuff, he makes highlight plays that makes you forget all the bad that he's done the entire game. One of the most, uh, one of the most viewed clips of him is when he did that jumping pump fake into a spin rolls out, completes the pass for a touchdown. Right. That's one of the biggest things in that, in that game he threw, I think three interceptions and they lost that game. So it's kind of like, he makes these big plays that make you fall in love with his athleticism, but it's, he, he has, if you look at Florida, I know you don't, you watch college football. You, you don't really watch it. Like I do. If you looked at Florida and who they played and how they played, they had a lot of one touchdown games 
And that's not something that I want coming from my quarterback that I think that I want to succeed in the NFL. If you're struggling to score against Georgia or the Philadelphia Eagles, technically, or, you know, Tennessee or teams like that, why do you think that he's going to succeed against an actual NFL defense? Like, cool, his offense will be better, but he's playing against faster and more intelligent players on defense. If he's getting fooled by a safety that works at Taco Bell, like what makes you think that he's going to succeed against, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick with the Steelers? So just, I think he turns the ball over a lot, but he makes freak athletic plays to make you forget it. It's all short-term memory loss with him. Oh, you just threw the game away, but you know what? You did make that crazy play that looks cool on film. So, and that's what people fall in love with. And that's what people see on TikTok, on YouTube, on the highlight films. They don't see his bad throws. They don't see his bad reads. They don't see that he takes a lot of sacks in the pocket instead of rolling out or running. So that's what I see. Uh, I just, I love the Taco Bell reference. A, a homie working at Taco Bell and then playing football on the weekends or on Friday night or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's true though. Like if he played against people that aren't on scholarship that have to have a job somewhere. Like, bro, this dude's not a real football player and you threw a pick to him. Like, granted, he's playing D1 college, but not on scholarship. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. Hey, I mean, we'll see. I, I think that there's definitely a lot of validity to what you said. And I'm really just swinging for that upside and that excitement. And we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think Bryce Young is the safer pick, but I, I don't think I want to go as safety. You don't you don't get to draft at the one zero two very often. So I kind of want to shoot for the stars with that with that upside. And let's just hope that he's not like the CEH of quarterbacks. Right course you don't want another uh, you know andrew luck situation in uh indianapolis where he retires after four years hey I, well hey if if he puts up good numbers for those four seasons at least i have a four season window to trade him that you are 100 percent correct right so a lot of value you just need early value exactly and uh, let's be honest rookies they always go up in value when they hit and when when the, when the production goes you know comes along like garrett wilson for example the value just just keeps going up or like Chris Olave or, you know, something like that. Right. So, but enough about a rich enough about our rookie draft. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to discuss post rookie draft. Let's talk about last season in 2022. Something happened that was very unique that I'm not sure if everyone's here is going to remember. We have some new faces here and they, they may or may not have caught up to the league history but you and I would say your number one rival in the league, who is T. Jones. Love him. Oh, I, I bet you do. Y'all, y'all faced off in week 13. We're both 10 and 3. And that was the last game in week uh, 13 to win the division. We were both talking a lot. So, uh, like I said, both of us going into this, the Belichick division was easily the worst division going into this season or well last season technically um i feel like my roster overperformed early so i made trades to get them to where i felt like they could compete for the playoffs in a high you know high seed and then i believe t jones he started off terrible and then he made an insane trade right at the middle of the season 
and it was a uh, it was early October, and it was a it was like a four team trade, and he got a quarterback, he got um, a running back. He just I don't remember exactly who he got, but he made a huge four person trade to make his team competitive, and that's really when his season turned around, and we were going back and forth all season about oh well I beat you know, you, I beat Reno in the regular season, then he would turn around and beat you guys, and he would beat me, and then at the very end, it was the tiebreaker, and we were both 10-3. and three. This is for the division, for, you know, the number two seed. So it was not only the bye week, we were fighting for the bye week, we were fighting for the $250. Like, it was just a lot going into that last week, and he just outperformed me. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing if we're going to be as competitive with each other this year. Uh, like I said, I love the guy, and we talk a lot of shit to each other. Like even just earlier today when we were talking about the draft, I said he has no opinion. He's, no, he's not allowed to make an opinion. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> uh, and I love that. I love the drama. I love the friendly banter, emphasis on the friendly. Right? We don't need another Jerry situation. Uh, even though the memes were good, and I, I created some great memes out of that, and the league, I'm sure, had... Some amazing laughs over that, but brought in a very, very great replacement owner. We, we did, yep. Jerry, Jerry got replaced by someone that is far superior as a manager and as a person, especially since they can take a joke and they just love to be in here and have the friendly, the friendly banter kind of flowing. But with your division, though, I'm, I'm really curious because you traded away some, some star power, Tyree Kill, gone. He's no longer there. Where, where are you going to be making up those points? I mean, you're going to have a quarterback, but you'll have three quarterbacks on your roster. So where do you make up that star wide receiver, you know, points from? So it was tough. It was a tough decision getting rid of him because you're right. Tyreek Hill was my main point score. And then Daniel Jones, like I said, top 10 quarterback. So uh, one of my, one of my big issues that I had was, um, receivers and running backs so i acquired two running backs unfortunately kamara i believe is going to be suspended depending on when he's charged um and then i picked up jones who again as a the green bay running back normally you know with aaron Rodgers, you really don't want their running back because he's not too big in the pass game but with jordan love taking over i feel like they're gonna rely more on the run game i feel like that'll be okay and then i have a lot of really young receivers um i drafted mcbride last year uh, he's taken over at uh, number one tight end for Arizona. I think that's a good pickup. Evan Ingram for Jax. I think he had a really, really good bounce back year last year. And I'm hoping with uh, another year in the system with T-Loss progression, with Calvin Ridley coming back with Jags and Christian Kirk, I just hope that the uh, Jacksonville offense really takes that step forward in that division and scores me a lot of points because I have a lot of capital in the Jags offense. I have Christian Kirk. I have T-Law. I have Evan Ingram. So I'm hoping that pans out for me as well. And then I have, you know, Sky Moore. Is it Sky Moore, I believe his name is? Or is it? Yeah, Sky Moore for Kansas City. Hey, I took him, I believe, in the first round last year, I believe, at 110. And uh, I, I love this guy coming out of college. And I did not think they would only use him for special teams last year. So that kind of like hurt hurt his stock and hurt 
my opinion on him a little bit. But watching the playoffs, watching him uh, really develop and be utilized more, and then with him being a, a good like um, trick play, and uh, I just hope this is his year. I hope uh, with Juju leaving, I just hope that he really steps up and uh, takes that commanding role in that offense and be that Tyreek Hill type player because he's about the same size as Tyreek, and he's not as fast, but he's got wheels on him. So I'm hoping this year he takes that step forward and, you know, Patrick Mahomes trusts him enough to use him as that Tyreek Hill-esque player, and he'll be my star power. Hey, I I mean, that would be, if the stars align uh, in that situation, kind of like how you're describing, I think that'd be perfect for you. Will that actually happen? I'm not sure. Personally, I'm not betting on it. But hey, who am I to say? Shit happens and things happen in fantasy football we can't necessarily kind of predict. So for your sake and for the sake of the division, I definitely hope that that works out for you. Especially with Juju Smith-Schuster going to the my beloved Pats and then McCall Hardman. I don't know if he re-signed yet or if he went somewhere else. So you think two target-hungry players are left or are leaving Kansas City. So I believe he, he has a chance to step up and be that guy. I mean, honestly, that just means, for the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, oh, so he's your, my guy. So he's that's, my guy. he's my guy. I hope it pans out. I don't know. He's like my shot in the dark right now, but I'm telling you, if he gets into the starting lineup for the Kansas city chiefs, he's my guy. I think he's going to pop off if given the opportunity, kind of like Christian Watson, I thought was my guy last year and I ended up trading him. And as soon as I traded him, he became that guy. So I'm going to stick to my guns, stick with Sky Moore this year, and just, he's my guy. Heck yeah, awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Well, uh, next episode, we'll talk about more my guys and kind of go over who we're optimistic about, you know, eternal optimism kind of stuff going on here. Uh, I'll I'll make sure to bring my player uh, into the podcast next time around, but I think that's going to do it for us now. I really appreciate y'all uh, tuning in and I hope that we can make this a more consistent thing for y'all. This is always a lot of fun. We'll, we'll bring the content and that's going to be it for us signing out. All right. See y'all.